Hi there, and welcome to Grief is My Superpower. I'm Mark Lemon, award-winning children's author, bereavement ambassador, and your host for this podcast. Each week, I'll be interviewing incredible people that get open and honest about their own experience with grief. When I was 12 years old, my dad was murdered, and my life changed forever. I try to explore with my guests if it's possible to live a happy and fulfilled life after the death of a loved one. You can find me as Mark Lemon Official on Instagram and at the Lemon Drop Books website. For this episode, I speak with therapist and mental health advocate, Katie Morton. Katie speaks with me about the ways in which we can navigate our grief through this global pandemic. You can find Katie on Instagram, Twitter and YouTube as Katie Morton. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment wherever you are listening to this podcast. By doing this, it will help us to reach more people in need of support at a tough time. This podcast is in support of children's bereavement charity, Winston's Wish. Okay, so as mentioned in my introduction, today I'm speaking to someone that I've followed on Instagram and on YouTube for a little while now, and I find her post very insightful. But it's also extra special because it's the first time that we've recorded an episode of the podcast outside of the UK. So we're going to be speaking to America and it's Katie Morton. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks. Like we just said off mic, mm-hmm. I've currently got a quiet house. The, w- <laughs> the wife and children have gone out. And uh, yeah, it's just nice to, as I always say, it's nice to talk to somebody else apart from your family <laughs> yes. at the moment. It's true. We are pretty isolated these days. <laughs> so for the listeners, would you be happy to just give a little bit of an introduction as to who you are and, and what you do, please? Yes. Um, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, um, and I practice in Santa Monica, California. And I have a mental health, um, an educational mental health channel on YouTube. I've been creating educational content on there for uh, about eight and a half years now. Okay. And you're pretty busy, aren't you? I mean, by <laughs> by looking at your posts on YouTube and Instagram, um, yeah, you're pretty hectic, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it, I'm very organized. It's part of my DNA as a person, but it's also just necessary. Um, and, you know, I um, I do my best to manage everything. It's just me and my husband that, that do what we do together. So it's I don't really have like a team or anything. That would be wonderful if I did. So obviously the reason we're here today is to talk about um, grief. But I thought before we do that, at this time of this recording, the world is going through a very strange time. And with the senseless and tragic murder of George Floyd, are you happy to share the current atmosphere in the US and and where you're living right now with our listeners? Yeah. um, So I live in Santa Monica, California, and I don't know what all is being, you know, broadcast to other parts of the world, but um, pretty much in, in all 50 states, but pretty much in every large city There have been um, peaceful protests and then followed by, and it looks like a completely different group of people coming in to riot and loot and set things on fire. And um, unfortunately on Sunday, my city was devastated. We, I mean, it was, talk about grief. It's still very sad for me to talk about watching a lot of the just local stores that my husband and I frequent, whether it's this sushi place we go to that's owned um, by this couple that just lives like six blocks from us, um, be set on fire, 
or watching the REI that I just picked up a, you know, a, a new mountain bike from, um, be looted. Um, it, it's really, really sad and devastating. Um, and, and the thing is too about it is that this all was started because, you know, of the senseless murder of George Floyd and, um, every city's has, has curfews. And I was, I was telling Mark before we got started that you might hear helicopters or sirens. That's something that I can't really control right now because it's everywhere. Um, and so for the most part, you know, all of my friends and family are safe, but we're in the States, we're keeping in touch with each other because it's happening everywhere. Mm. Yeah. I mean, from, from the added impact of obviously COVID-19 and everything that's going on in the world, yeah. it's such a strange time, isn't it, at the moment? Yeah. And I think the COVID, I mean, not to get into it too much, but I think that the the COVID isolation and potential loss of jobs and income may be what is making this what it is. You know what I mean? They um, arrested a gentleman just a few blocks from where I live and had asked him, um, you know, why, why were you looting? And he's like money. He's like, I lost my job in March due to the coronavirus. And I think that, you know, desperate times, right? People are having a, a really difficult time right now. We've been having a difficult time for, I mean, I've been on, in isolation since March 16th. Um, and we haven't even in LA, we haven't really been let out yet. <laughs> and this was the first weekend where restaurants were supposed to open at like half capacity. And, and then, you know, what happened in Minnesota just shifted everything. So kind of moving on from that, um, which is kind of related, but obviously there's been a lot of focus on mental health in the UK over the last couple of years, which is great. Um, and from my experience, if grief isn't supported at an early age, it can lead on to mental health struggles later on in life. From your opinion, how do you think we can support someone after a bereavement? I think the best way, I mean, grief is is weird, you guys. It comes and goes. It doesn't go in order. You know, they talk about the five stages of grief or whatever, and I don't think, really believe in that so much. Um, and I think checking in on people, I'll always remember what my father passed away when I was 24. Um, so about 12 years ago, I'm 36 now. Um, and I remember everybody's there the day of the funeral and really that's it. Like maybe the day before, day after a couple of days. But I remember one of my dad's closest friends, his wife came by to see my mom and I maybe, I don't know, a couple weeks later. And she checked in on my mom like a month later. And I think the checking in, the touching base is really valuable. I think that's really where, it, like anything, we know people are around us for big events. But what about the the fallout after when you're trying to grapple with the grief and the 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 new, you know, we're using this word new normal a lot because of the coronavirus. And I think that that kind of pertains to grief as well. Like this new normal without this person in our life. Um, I think that it's, it's, it's great to check in. And I also want to recognize that grief isn't just, doesn't just happen because of death in the family or death in your um, life. It happens when we lose things. Um, we have to grieve the loss of the dream. Maybe I have a lot of friends who are trying to get pregnant and some of them have been told they can't and that there's a grief period about that. You know, what I thought was going to happen and what is happening. Um, so know that grief can happen for a lot of different reasons. No, I totally agree. And actually, funny enough, we've talked about it on the podcast in the episode this week is how, you know, you have this wave of support initially, and then a couple of months after, it'll just go quiet and silent. And, you know, again, from my experience coming, you know, getting the support a few months after knowing that people are there is really, uh, you know, is reassuring, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is. It It's really what we, I mean, connection is so important, right? So it's really what we need. And I remember, I don't know if you felt this way, but I remember learning that my dad died and I was in LA because I was in graduate school at the time. Um, and I remember getting on the, like on the highway to get home and thinking, what are all you people out here for? Don't you know my dad died? Like, how can you just be doing your thing, acting like nothing happened? Like, I was definitely in the like anger stage for a bit. <laughs> um, but it was that, that feeling of like, you know, don't you know? And I think, um, I think that a lot of times we just need people to say, yeah, I know, I see you. I, I know that it still hurts, you know. Do you remember that time well? when your dad died, you know, is it something that's, I mean, obviously it's etched in your mind and your memory forever. Um, do you remember that sort of period? Well, yeah, I do. Um, it was, I mean, like I said, I was in graduate school and I was in therapy. I've been in therapy off and on since I was 15. Um, and he was already, he'd been sick for a while. So it was, it wasn't like it was expected, but I, I worried, you know, about that call. Um, and yeah, it's like, I don't even, a lot of it's like fuzzy because it's like a, almost like a trauma memory, you know? So like, I don't really remember like what my mom really said or the details. Um, but it was a very weird, it's very weird. Um, I just started dating my husband who, you know, at the time we'd been dating for like a month and he helped me buy the the ticket home. And it was just weird. Mm. Yeah. That, that, that time is really weird and fuzzy like you say isn't it it's when you try to think back and remember back you know you just sort of remember specific memories and and sort of points of being told um that that the loved one has died um and so kind of moving on to obviously the state of the world that we're in and the coronavirus and all of this sort of stuff um and it's resurfaced a lot of grief and trauma for people like we've kind of already talked about um what advice have you got for anyone struggling to navigate through grief at this time talk about it i think that that's the thing that um that makes it linger longer <laughs> is if we just stuff it down i like i was um i was just talking about it yesterday on on my own podcast um about with everything going on right now if you're feeling overwhelmed if you're feeling over anxious if you're feeling you know sadness like i'm i'm sad a lot we have to talk to somebody about that. We can't just stuff it inside. It doesn't go anywhere if we stuff it inside it. What happens when we stuff it inside is it comes out as like rage later on or, or depression, right? Anger in becomes depression, anxiety, things like that. Um, and the best thing we can do is, is talk to others, vent about it. Because the one thing that is a silver lining to all of the chaos is that we're, we're all in it. We're all experiencing it together, especially with the coronavirus never have I been alive during a time when everyone in the world has experienced something in their own way, but very similar to what I'm experiencing, right? Their own flavor of it. I've never been in a situation like that. And so let's, let's take advantage of that. Let's talk to friends. Let's do FaceTime, Zoom hangouts um, to commiserate, to connect. Um, we know that the, through research, the, pretty much antidote to our stress response, stress response being like fight, flight, freeze. The antidote to that is connection. And I think that's why the coronavirus has been so trying for people is it was isolating. It took away the one thing we need during a time of crisis and stress. And so we have to find a way to, you know, bring that back and make sure that we, we do connect, talk, vent, 
cry, share. Um, you know, if you hopefully live with someone, you can get a, a hug or, you know, rubbing your back, anything to kind of soothe your system. No, I completely agree. I, you know, I found, I found myself personally, communities have sort of been built, you know, where I live, we've got a WhatsApp group and, you know, just checking in, does anyone need this or that? And, you know, that was never there before. And, um, and also, you know, with my mum, I sort of FaceTime her more than I ever have done. But it's just checking in, isn't it? Like you say, and just making sure that people are okay and that they know that know that we're there for them. I mean, in this country, in the UK, grief is still very much a taboo subject, it feels. Um, how's grief viewed in the US? Yeah, I mean, it's changed over the years diagnostically. Like if we talk um, from a therapist standpoint in the DSM, um, there used to just be bereavement. It was like a, called a V code uh, before the new DSM came out um, in 2013. And that was when I was in school, we learned about that. And it was kind of part of this, that you could bereave for, for two months. And <laughs> that was what they said. Um, and that has shifted. I forget what it's called now, but they give you a much longer period of time. You can have bereavement for a few months. And then I believe they give you like another six months to, to grieve, to, to be grieving. Um, before, because the thing that was tricky, I remember, uh, this has probably been like six years ago, I had a, a patient of mine whose uh, brother died. Unfortunately, he got hit by a car. Um, very sad. And I was training and I remember my, um, my uh, supervisor at the time, I was like, well, it's been four months, you know, since her brother died. And am I supposed to diagnose her with depression? Like, that doesn't sound right. You know, this isn't anything related to anything else in her life that this is specific to the loss of her brother. And my supervisor was like, well, the DSM is, you know, often not correct. It can be total shit. Sometimes it's not always helpful. Um, and he was like, you know, I would just continue to call it bereavement. Um, but you know, there needs to be movement in this space. And so I think that as far as from my standpoint as a therapist, it's definitely changed and for the better. And I don't really, it's funny because in some ways I, I struggle to talk about like how things are like in America, because I live in a definite bubble where a lot of my, my friends and colleagues are, are therapists, are psychiatrists, are counselors. So, you know, in my world, everybody talks about it. It's totally fine. Um, but I think there's still, I would assume based on what my audience talks about that it's similar. There's, there's a stigma associated with any kind of mental health angst you know, call it whatever you want, upset, sadness, stress. It's, um, it's uncomfortable to admit when things aren't good. You know, often people want to feel pressure to say, I'm happy, I'm fine, everything's great, you know. Um, and so I, I would believe that, that grief has that same stigma. And people are probably like, yeah, that, but that was like a year ago, you should be over it, you know. Um, and I think it's important that podcasts like this exist and that we talk about this because Again, kind of going back to earlier on when we were talking about grief as a whole, it, it doesn't just happen when someone dies and we need to be more cognizant of that and have real conversations about grieving and grief and, you know, talking to one another about it. I think, yeah, I think you're completely right. It's that at the moment as well with how people are feeling like they're grieving the world that they once knew and all of that stuff. You know, I've actually had sort of new listeners on the podcast who've, who've said that. Um, mm -hmm. They might not have, a loved one might not have died, but they're still feeling that sense of loss. Um, and 
I guess sort of moving on to the next question would be, what advice have you got for any family members or friends that are trying to support someone um, after a loved one has died? I think, I mean, like checking in, like we talked about, and um, and I think uh, the one thing that, especially during this time that's highlighted this fact more and more, is that instead of coming in to see someone and trying to fix something, um, we need to just let them educate us. And what I mean by that is like, like I have, I'll have a video that goes out (laughs) like in a couple of days, um, talking about the proper way to listen, because too often we listen to fix or we listen to win. Meaning we listen to what someone's saying to, to come up with a rebuttal or to tell them what they should do. And I think when it comes to grief in particular, but pretty much everything in life, if we shifted our listening skills to listen, to learn, to let them educate us as a therapist, I like, it's part of what we do. And so I feel very fortunate that that's like what my training was is like, I ask my patients how they're doing or what's going on. And I let them teach me about their experience. I don't assume I know I'm not them. You know, I haven't had their life experiences. I can't know what it's like to be them. And so I think if, when it comes to grief, if someone in our life has lost a loved one, um, when you check in, don't try to fix don't try to have a you know a better thing to say or something they should do. Just listen to learn. Just listen to learn what it's like for them. Let them tell you how they feel, um, and so you can be there with them because that's really the important thing. It's not it's not about fixing it. Sometimes we just need someone to listen and say, "Yeah, I hear you. That's valid. I understand." Um, and I think that can be way more powerful than than any kind of you know anecdote or to do or you know, let's get you showered and get you out of the house. Like we don't have to always do something. Sometimes we just need to be heard and understood. Yeah, they're really good points. I think that there is that element of panic, isn't there? When when someone's died and you're like, okay, what can I do to you mm-hmm. know, to help? And and yeah, like you say, more often than not, it's just being there for an arm around them, or sitting there with them, or or you know, cooking something for them, or yeah, just making them feel less alone. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I remember as a 12 year old boy, just, f- I felt the silence, you know, because people didn't yeah. know what to say. They didn't know what to do. Um, and, and I get that, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard, but, uh, it can sort of isolate people a little bit, can't it? Oh, 100%. And I, I think that's the kind of important thing is you don't have to know what to say. Um, often it's just showing up, just being there. Um, I can't tell you how many of my patients, whether it's grief or even just depressive symptoms as a whole, so many of my patients and viewers tell me that they wish they could just have a friend just come over and not not worry about fixing things or doing anything or having any answers or knowing what to say. Sometimes they're like, I don't even want to talk. I just want someone here. And I think grief is very much the same. Even for me, um, I didn't need my friends to to tell me anything or do anything. I really just wanted them to be there, you know? Um, and like you said, cooking something. I mean, we had so much food. I remember everybody in my family <laughs> come, came by and dropped off some kind of meat plate or casserole or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, just being there, I think is really, really powerful and important. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So what three things are you most grateful for at the moment? Oh, my health. Um, my safety and 
my community. I think that more and more, especially with everything going on in the world, like health is just so important um, because we, I mean, we have a virus that is killing people and we don't really understand it. And that's very scary to me. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, and then safety because of everything that's going on, I feel very privileged to be able to be in my house and to be okay and not have had anything happen. Um, and then, you know, my community has been super supportive, whether it's my viewers online or my community of friends in my, you know, in my actual (laughs) environment that I live in. Um, I think all of that is just, yeah, can't be grateful enough. Have you, have you been managing to, you know, do much exercise? Have you, you know, what's the situation been there? Because, you know, we, we're allowed to go out while well, we were allowed to go out for a bit of exercise once a day. And now that's, you know, obviously it's relaxed a, a lot more. But have you been able to do stuff like that there? Yes, we can do that. Right now we can't. Well, it's a little tricky at the moment because of the protests and um, all of the stuff that's come along with that. We have curfews. And in Santa Monica, unfortunately, the curfews have been like 1 p.m., 2 p.m., um, or 4 p.m. it was yesterday, everybody had to be in their houses. Um, so you could still get out and do exercise. And I I do, my husband and I go for walks um, just to get out, breathe some fresh air. And then I do I do a lot of YouTube workouts and, and different things, um, you know, whether it's like a funny, goofy dance workout or jump rope or I'm yeah. trying all sorts of things. Got to get creative. <laughs> <laughs> Moving your body helps improve your mood. So even if it's just stretching. Yeah, no, definitely. So where can people find you? What's the best place? I know you're, you cover pretty much everywhere on social media, but um, yeah, where can they look you up? Yeah. If they have any questions or anything like that, I have over, I think like 1200 YouTube videos. So on my YouTube channel that my name is just Katie Morton, K-A-T-I-M-O-R-T-O-N. You can look me up there. Um, and I'm Katie Morton across all social media, like you said. <laughs> mm, yeah. For my last question, and it's one that I do ask uh, for each episode, if you had one final conversation with your dad, what do you think you might like to say to him? Mm. It's tricky because knowing it's final makes it different, you know? Um, that's so interesting. I think uh, the thing that I've, I've struggled with the most as I've gotten older um, is my dad was like, he always wanted to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> he always wanted to own his own business. And my mom was a super like scaredy cat. And he had like a good corporate job. So she was like, don't don't quit that. <laughs> so I, I, I'd like him to see what I'm doing. I think he'd be really proud. And I think I'd just like to hear that. Um, yeah. And I'd like him to meet Sean, my husband, he's never met him. So I think less like not necessarily just a conversation, but more of a in-person hangout, <laughs> which would be followed with a conversation, but you know what I mean? I think that that would be it for me Um, because I'd like him to know me as an adult, you know, even though he died when I was 24, like I was still in school. I feel like he didn't get to see me do it myself. But Katie, I just want to say a huge thank you for speaking with me today, sharing your experience, sharing the story around your dad as well, which is really special. And uh, I know my listeners are going to get a lot out of it. So thank you so much. Of course. Thank you for having me.